Okay guys, welcome to another uh, Yak Chat episode. So tonight we had a chat with Casey George from Hooked Up Bait and Tackle in Ferntree Gully. Uh, Casey's well known around the South Gippsland area. Quite a few people sort of said to me when I was looking for someone to talk about EPs that Casey would be a great person. He's appeared in quite a few podcasts. Um, He's very quiet sort of a person, I suppose, on Facebook. Doesn't post a whole lot that I see. Um, but yeah, he he's one of the few people that I've ever met or spoken to that actively targets EP from the bank, from a kayak, uh, and absolutely loves it and does it all year round. So we felt that it'd be a good opportunity for us to have a chat before round three and have a chat to the boys and give them a few tips and tricks. Um, so Casey was great with his time with us tonight and yeah it was a great chat went for about an hour so i hope you guys have a good listen and enjoy um if you are enjoying this stuff guys please feel free uh give us a like review it it helps us it lets me know that you are enjoying it um definitely you know get involved send me a message whatever it doesn't really matter but whilst um you guys are enjoying i'm going to keep going with doing the podcast and the live chats but yeah only if you guys are enjoying it guys i do it for you i get nothing out of it um it costs me money to do it realistically so yeah i do it because i enjoy talking to people but i also do it to give back to you guys and give you guys some knowledge and information so yeah if you have an enjoyment out of it and you are getting something out of it please reach out let me know and we'll keep going with it and we'll do a few more anyways guys have a listen along hope you enjoy all right guys welcome um we've decided to do another yak chat tonight and we're having a chat with Casey George. So Casey, I'll do a bit of an introduction in a minute, guys. Um, but Casey's donated his time to us tonight to have a chat with you guys about EPs and round three and specifically uh, the Tarwin Inlet and South Gippsland area. So Casey works in the tackle industry at Hooked Up Bait and Tackle. So he'll have a bit of a chat about that. And um, yeah, so Casey, if you just want to introduce yourself, mate, and tell us a little bit about yourself. How are we, guys? Um, I'm obviously Casey, so... Uh personally do a lot of estuary perch fishing myself i love getting down to the south gippsland area um probably my my number one type of fishing absolutely love it um i work in the tackle industry i work at hook up bait and tackle in Fentry gully uh in melbourne um been there for nearly six years now so we pride ourselves in um stocking like high-end real good quality gear uh, a lot of stuff that you can't find in a lot of other tackle shops um we also the boys who work in the shop, this type of fishing is our bread and butter. It's absolutely what we love doing, whether it be locally in places like Patterson River um, or, yeah, in South Gippsland, East Gippsland um, and further up the coast. It's, yeah, definitely our absolute favourite. So, yeah. So, Casey, I have done a little bit of research on you and know a few mutual people that sort of put me on to you. So I know you do a bit of land-based fishing, but you also have a kayak as well. Is that still correct? you still got a kayak? Yep, still got the kayak. So I do uh, do a lot of land-based fishing close to home just after work and things like that. But if I do make the trip into South Gippsland, it will nearly always be with the kayak. Yep. Um, so I run a Hobie Compass. Um, older, older model, I think it's 2014 or 2015. Um, so pretty basic setup, but definitely perfect for, for that kind of fishing. It's um it's one of those things you don't have to spend a fortune to um get in some of the estuary systems so the cheaper kayaks that can still do it and we've we've got a couple of guys that have started coming to the comps now and they're in your three hundred dollar um anaconda specials and you know they're still yep. getting out and having fun with it so yeah it doesn't it, don't have to have the big PA like all the other guys and like myself that have got you can get away with the smaller compass and even a passport yeah hundred percent I um I went I had a pro angler before I had the compass. And I actually found for, for this type of fishing, which is what I do a lot, especially in South Gippsland in some of those smaller waterways that are a little bit harder to get into. Um, yep. The compass, the slightly smaller and lighter kayak, the more minimalised setup actually kind of was easier and better for that kind of thing. Um, and has really allowed me to, to fish some systems, which no hope of doing with a pro angler or the bigger kayak. So, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. I can, um, yeah, I can feel the pain on that one. I've got the active target and everything on mine, the extra weight and trying to get close to the water edge at some systems I used to be able to fish, I now can't. So, yeah, I can um, I can imagine trying to slip in on some of the rivers and that would be easier of a compass. So, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. 
So your kayak setup, what sort of sander and stuff are you running on that one? Uh, so I run a, a Gen 3 Hummingbird Helix, uh, Helix 7, I think. Yep. yep. Just basic unit, side scan, down scan. Um, I do find the, the side scan on Hummingbird is absolutely fantastic. Um, that's probably the, the number one thing I'll use fishing for perch. Yep. Um, especially this time of year in the colder months where you start to get fish schooling up, um, pushing up on kind of like banks and things like that, more central in these river systems rather than um, up on snags and stuff. I find it really, really makes the fishing a um, little bit easier and I find myself a bit more reliant on it. Yeah. Um, nothing too too crazy as far as uh, the, the rest of the setup on the kayak. Just keep it, keep it simple. I think um, with the perch fishing especially, things like active target and stuff, that definitely work. Um, I've seen it seen it in action definitely you know finding fish and seeing how they're reacting to certain things um but yeah one thing i've really found with chasing estuary perch is just simply keeping it keeping it pretty simple um and kind of doing what you know and and just sticking it out when you can uh, find fish so. I, I think you definitely do probably one of the more stranger things like i'm a broom fisherman so i fish for broom and perch for me are a bycatch um or i guess for you where you target estuary perch a broom or the bycatch so it's sort of um but I can definitely say the active target does pick up big, big perch. Um, we fished the Hobie round at Ben River this year and, you know, I was having a good time catching the brim and I'd got my bag and um, there was something that was swimming around. It was bigger than the brim and it was going around the sticks. Um, for those that know it, it'll be called suburbia. So we're down in the back end of the system and um, they, it was swimming in around the sticks and I thought, I wonder if that's a, a big size perch. And I actually threw one of those um, new Daiwa Shaman armies at it Yep. And, I, and I pulled it out and it was massive. It would have gone 50 centimetres. Um, yeah, and it was solid. So, yeah, I actually pulled the hooks on one the day before and then that one I landed. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely an interesting thing trying to target something like that. That was the biggest one I've ever caught. Most of mine have been around that 30 centimetre mark. So, yep. Yeah, 50 centimetres. Kind of the pinnacle of perch fishing, they do get bigger than that. But if you're cracking a 50, you're doing pretty uh, damn good. Yeah. Yeah, look, I didn't, I didn't measure it. I was using a ruler, and the ruler only went to forty, and it was well over the ruler. And I just went, yeah, yeah. that's that'll do. I'm happy with that. That's oh, I'll put yeah, him definitely. back. So, um, so obviously, is perch your main species? I, I know you do a little bit of dew fishing in around the Patterson Lakes area and stuff as well. Um, but yep. is perch your main sort of style of fishing these days, or? Uh, yeah, these days I would say it is. Um, probably like it'd be a good seventy percent of what I. I uh, find because it's a year-round thing on the perch, like they're, they're fish that you can catch in every month of the year. You can have exceptional topwater sessions in the colder months. Um, I do find myself fishing for perch quite a lot. Um, I still do like dedicate a good couple of months to, to chasing the mulloway um, in systems like the paddo. I uh, kind of try and do that every year. Um, and then... Like we'll happily do just about anything else to be honest with you. Like yeah, we'll okay. chasing things, we'll chase a snapper, we'll we'll do a little yeah. bit of everything. Even a, you know, chasing some squid and whiting here and there is always a good bit of fun. So um I have found like trying to like trying to work out estuary perch and, and that kind of thing has kind of become what I really enjoy doing. Um, that'll be what I you know, if, if the weather's good tomorrow and I've got the day off and the tides are right, that's what I'll go and do. No brainer. I'll um I'll go target estuary perch. So just yeah, really, really enjoyable fish to catch. Yeah, right. Um was it just something that you stumbled across or was it something that someone introduced to you sort of chasing perch or um kinda stumbled across it. So really started to get into the lure fishing side of things um when I started hookup so i used to do a lot of trout fishing before that um then glenn who i work with was come on down the paddock we'll target a couple of jewfish so put in a bit of time on those guys and it was really good we, we got a couple of fish um as that season started to die off we were probably doing the same amount of sessions but weren't coming across them um so we kind of thought i oh, will target some you know some brim and possibly some perch and started getting consistent numbers of EPs. And at that time, um, you know, back five or six years ago, a lot of the fish in the paddo were 20 centimetres, 25 centimetre fish. So not a lot of big ones mixed in. Um, but 
like really just enjoy targeting them. And I think one thing with estuary perch, they're not really a fish that you catch unless you try to catch them. Um, it's not something that Joe Blow down on the pier catches every second day. Um, you know, even guys consistently brim fishing in the paddo will rarely ever pull a perch. But if you can, you can actually target them, work them out a little bit, you can catch them every day of the year. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so I guess what we might sort of do, I know you've been sneaking down towards Tarwin a little bit over the last few weeks for a bit of a fish. Um, for the guys that don't know the system, do you maybe want to just do a bit of a walkthrough on the system and what they're going to see, what they're going to expect? Um, yep. And then maybe go into a bit more depth on where you'd look for EPs in that system. Um, more so the looking, not so much what you'd use to target them, and then we'll move further into yep. the targeting side of it. Yeah, no worries. So when you, if you haven't fished a Tarwin before, um, it's, a, it's an odd river. It's got a little bit of everything to offer. Um, so I would assume you're more than likely going to launch at the boat ramp, which is located kind of three quarters of the way down the system. Yeah, uh, that's so correct. Not, yeah, We're not, going from the boat ramp, so sorry. Yeah. No, you're right. It's not quite down the mouth, um, but I, I would say it is in the definitely well and truly in the bottom half of the system. Um, it is quite a long river. Uh, it does go up a long way up into the hills. Um, turns into fresh water. You can catch trout up the top of it. So. It's a, it's a bit of an odd river. The first couple of times that I went there, I was um, very sceptical on, on what it could produce. It is never clean. Um, it's one of those... The Tarwin, when it's clean, is a lot of rivers when they're dirty. Um, it has a lot of, gets a lot of runoff from a lot of farmland further up, up river. Um, so, you know, you, you can expect to see some relatively dirty water in it but that isn't unusual and the fish will still definitely feed um the lower section of the river uh so the boat ramp and towards the mouth uh quite open um quite deep there's some nice rock walls uh some nice reedy banks sand uh sorry uh weed patches and things like that on some of those rock walls and banks um that's predominantly uh, an area I'd definitely look at targeting at this time of year. Um, if you come up from the boat ramp, there's some nice deep holes on a couple of bends as you start to get up towards the highway bridge. Um, when you get to the bridge there, some awesome structure from there upwards. So as you go up from there, you find it's quite quite uh, a reedy bank, but you get these small patches of tea tree um, on either side of the river that kind of all stretch for you know 20 or 30 meters and they'll often hold some really really nice fish in amongst the structure on them um that's probably one thing i like about the tarwin especially in that upper river stuff is the fish will often uh congregate in those those little tea tree patches and they won't be 20 meters to the left of them or 20 meters to the right of them because there's no structure there um there's not a lot of reason for them to be there so definitely has a lot of different things to offer uh, in the Tarwin, uh, prepare to do some Ks. It's it's not a small river, it's not a small system. So, but yeah, it can be really rewarding if you find them. Yeah, right. Um, so, the system is it sort of like a mul mangrove sort of style of a system, or is it a bit of everything? Would you say? I would say it's a bit of everything. Um, there's actually not a lot of mangroves in there. There's um, there's a lot of like down, down the entrance and towards Venus Bay, there are some mangrove edges, things like that. And you've got the mangrove islands at Venus Bay. Yeah. Um, in the Tarwin River itself, you've got some, like some awesome rock wall fishing down towards the entrance um, and some nice weedy flats just out the front of the entrance. Uh, as you come up from there, it's, it's just like that. Um, a lot of you guys may have fished uh, like the Powlet before, um, it's kind of it's a lot like the pallet. It's just kind of that grassy, um, grassy reedy bank. Um, it is a lot deeper than the pallet though. Um, there's not there's not heaps of structure, especially in that those lower sections. Um, even you know until you get to that highway bridge, there might be a handful of snags um, up to that bridge. Once you get past there, the structure becomes a little bit more frequent. Um, and then once you get right up into the upper reaches of the, the river, up where uh, Fish Creek comes into it, right on one of the big bends there, there's a really nice edge of snags. Um, 
up there, which would probably stretch for, you know, a good 300 metres of just timber, just frequent timber. So, um, okay. it's yeah, it's an odd system. And it, it was really, um, it was a little bit overwhelming. I remember the first time, first couple of times fishing it, just didn't know whether to go up, didn't know whether to go down. Um, and that was right in, it was a little bit earlier than when your comp is. So it was probably, well, it would have been, First time I fished, it would have been many years ago in May, um, which is a transition time for those fish. So they can be up, they can be down, they can be just about anywhere. So it can be a little bit daunting. Um, but, yeah, this time of year, those lower reaches are really going to be a, a good place to start. Um, yep. It's not to say you won't get fish up high, but definitely worth a look down down towards the entrance. So what's the um, average sort of depth of the system? Do you know by any chance? Um, a lot of it is kind of three to four meters deep. Yep. Um, it's yeah, it's not super shallow. So it's a moderate sort of depth in the system. It's not. Yeah, there's some really, 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 really deep holes in it though. So uh, just up from the boat ramp, um, there's a couple of big bends which are you know eight or nine meters deep. Uh, there's another couple of holes further up river which are once again like kind of nine to ten meters deep. Um, in those areas um down towards the entrance it's yeah you know averaging out at a kind of three to five meters even six meters in some areas so a bit of depth behind it um it's there's not a lot of shallow stuff until you get out towards the entrance yeah okay um, yeah um so with that being said you fished it lately um we've had a little bit of a chat uh, during the week uh, and the last couple of days. And I know you said, obviously, there's some areas that we may not be able to fish for the comp, but you've been finding them. Um, do you find that in winter they, they tend to push that further down around those islands and the mud flats and that down the front, or are you finding them up on the structure more so? Uh, definitely finding them down towards the entrance, um, down on those on those mud flats, uh, a lot of weed edge fishing um, on... So as you come out of the, the river entrance, there's a big flat on your left-hand side and a big flat on your right-hand side. Yeah. Um, one side's got some mangroves on it, so when the tide is high, that can be quite effective, um, quite productive fishing. The right-hand side, the flat does stay in the water for a lot longer, um, and there's some nice weed edges on that right-hand side as you come out, so that, that can also be really, really good. Uh, I've personally been finding the fish at the moment... Um, down toward the islands so um that's obviously going to vary on the boundaries of the comp uh and the weather on the day but if if you can get down around the islands in venus bay um places like doyles which is a small little creek uh off the islands been some nice fish in around there the size hasn't been there yet um but what we find with estuary perch at this time of year the smaller male fish will move down towards the entrance first and start to school up. Um, and then usually in that mid-August, early to mid-August, the larger female fish will start to move down as well and join those males. Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, this time of year, if I was going to go there tomorrow, I would definitely, definitely be heading down to those lower sections. Um, you can often find them schooling on the... There's, quite a stretch of rock walls in the last kind of kilometre of river um, before you exit the mouth. Um, you can definitely find fish schooling up on those rock walls quite frequently at this time of year. Yeah. Um, so I suppose moving into that, I guess well, I'll, I'm going to ask a bit of a personal question. What's the biggest EP you've pulled out of Tarwin? 51 and a half. There you go. So for the guys that don't know, I know there's some big, big boys in there. Um, but yeah, so for the ones that may not know the system, 51 centimetre and a half is a decent size EP. So it would have, it's, um, not, th- it's not renowned for huge fish, the tail. Yep. Um, but there's some, like, like any of those systems, there's the big fish in there that are 60 centimetres. Yep. Um, yeah, a lot of fish in that kind of 38 to 44 centimetre bracket. They're really, really nice fish. Um, so... So you were sort of saying when we were starting off, you've obviously got side scan and you use that predominantly for your EP fishing. So I guess when you go to a system like this, do you tackle it more in the way of you will find them on the side scan and then actively target those fish? Or would you 
know an area or as you'd say, look, they're going to be on a snag. So I'm going to cast at a snag and just work that. Um, how would you sort of go about finding the fish? A um, little bit of both with that. So obviously, like, have, have your sounder going and, and be prepared to, to find them, especially in areas you wouldn't necessarily think they're going to be. Um, every chance of just finding fish randomly kind of hanging off on a drop-off um, or just off the edge of the rock walls, things like that, on side scan. I wouldn't normally... Um, I'll, I'll still fish what I know. Like, I'll still fish the areas that look super suspecting. If I see a nice nice snag or a little eddy uh, or little drains, EPs love drains, um, so little runoffs that come into the river where bait fish might move up on a high tide and then push their way down uh, as the tide comes out. EPs will often hang out around the mouth of those small drains. Um, I will, whether I sound fish or not in those areas, I will still fish those areas and like give them a good pepper because the sounder the sounder is not going to pick up everything. Um, the sounder I find is exceptional for schooling fish. Um, they're pretty easy to spot when there's sixty of them in a you know yeah. ten meter area. Um, but especially with those larger fish, they do, they're definitely a little more solitary. Um, you might, there might just be one, there might be two or three, um, but the sounder won't always pick up those fish. So plenty of times where you can think nothing's happening, you can think there's nothing there, um, whether they're sitting behind a rock, whether they're sitting, you know, hard up on the bottom and they just look like the bottom, um, BPs are really weird in that kind of that kind of way. Um, they will do kind of odd things. They're not they're not always going to be the same. They don't always come up the same on the sounder. Um, there's been plenty of times where I've you know come across them thinking they're a big school of brim because they're sitting like brim huddled up on the bottom, um, you know, kind of spread out like they're feeding. And then there's other times where you know you might be fishing in in four metres of water and they're schooled up on the one metre line. Like yep. they're real weird with that kind of thing. So definitely use, you know, use your electronics um, to the best of your ability, but don't be reliant on it. Um, you know, some of the best sessions I've ever had in that river have been before I had a sounder on my kayak. So it's, um, you know, fish what you think looks good. Um, any, yeah, any drains, any obvious structure like snags, um, eddies as well. So any area where they, they can sit and be out of the current, they love sitting in little back eddies. They're, they can be a lazy fish at times, especially this time of year when the water's pretty cold. Um, so any area where they can kind of tuck behind that and they don't have to swim as hard against the current, they, yeah, they'll often be sitting in areas like that. Yeah. Um, so what we might do, one of the guys has asked a question. It sort of relates to what we're talking about now. He's asked, are EPs attracted to structure slash snags or more open water fish? Um, so definitely varies on the time of year. Um, EPs like, like bass, um, they're very, very similar to a bass. Uh, if you haven't caught an EP before, they're, they're nearly identical to look at. A couple of little key differences, but very similar fish. So they, they love sitting on snags. They love timber. Um, they love old timber and I normally find the older the timber, the better the fishing. So if it's a snag that's been in the river for 20 years versus a snag that fell down last year, that 20 year old snag is going to fish miles better than, than that fresh snag. During the warmer months, they will sit up on snags. They will ambush galaxid. They will just hang out in those shady areas and chill. Now this time of year, I will find they are drawn more so, um, more so towards the open water and towards the entrance of these systems, um, obviously to, to breed and to school up. Um, also for other, other key factors like salinity. Um, so salinity in these systems after big rains and things like that, the salinity can drop uh, quite, quite quickly. EPs can live in freshwater and saltwater, but I find they'll usually follow the bait. And a lot of the bait that they, that they chase, um, fish like mullet, 
mullet aren't the biggest fan, especially small mullet. Bull mullet are a bit different, but small mullet will often stay in the higher salinity parts um, of the system. And I find the EPs will often follow them down. So Pado is the ultimate example of that. <laughs> you get a huge bit of rain, nearly all the fish in that river are down towards the entrance, yeah. um, being a small system. So Tarlin can be quite similar. Um, this time of year, definitely that open water kind of thing. Um, during the warmer months into early autumn, so uh, late spring, all through summer and early autumn, you can often find those fish right up on those snags. So do you find in winter um, they're similar to the brim that they'll actually move in depths uh, compared to summer? Like in summer, obviously, your brim are up on the edges in the shallow waters a lot more. In winter, deeper using your vibes and your deeper diving crankbaits and stuff like that and your crabs. Um, do EP sort of work on the same sort of setup as that where they'll go deep in winter and up on the edge in summer or it doesn't really matter with the water temperatures? And they're, they're a bit of an odd one with that. Um... I've definitely found had a lot more. You do get a lot more of that um, that kind of central river fishing at this time of year, where you, you'll find them, you know, hard up on the bottom in six meters of water, and you're dropping a vibe on them, or you're having to fish a, a plastic really slow just to get them to eat. Um, the the strangest thing with EPs is they will still eat a topwater lure in the middle of winter. Um, I call fish on top water, like estuary perch on top water on Monday night. Um, they're, they're like, they will still get up on the edges for specific times. Um, yep. That, you know, a, a fish, a school of fish that might be hanging out for 22 hours of the day in deep water, but getting up on those shallow, you know, on those shallow banks or on a, on a, on a weed flat or something like that for two hours um, and chasing bait around um there it's probably the the one thing that i find they differ from bass uh, majorly is they they don't care about the cold they don't care about a low barometer um and they they will they will do things in winter that you'd expect them to do in summer and vice versa um had them in summer where they've you know been really you know really hard to catch when everything's perfect, when all the conditions are right. so It sort of sounds a bit like they're an opportunity feeder more than anything. If the opportunity's there and it's right, they'll they'll feed, so it doesn't really matter too much. Um, 100%. 100%. Um, still, I've always found like trying to present them with something um, that gets to where they are. So rather than having that fish have to come up to your lure, um, if you've sounded them up in... In five metres of water, put a lure to them that's going to get down to five metres of water or get down to four and a half. Um, so whether that be a plastic or something, opportunity is is huge for them. Um, obviously, as you were just saying, they are definitely an op opportunistic feeder. Um, but there's still, depending on the kind of mood they're in, there's still times where they won't move two metres to eat a lure. Um they, they can be a bit lazy. They can be a little bit docile. But if you knock them on the nose with it, normally going to eat it. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so we might move sort of into gear and some lures and stuff for the guys, but we'll start with the gear. Um, when you target your EPs, are you targeting with sort of your brim gear, that one to three kilo or two to four kilo rod, or are you upping it a little bit? Obviously, some EPs are a fair bit bigger than brim, so... So I will I'll comfortably use brim gear for them, and I'll use brim gear for them 85% of the time. Um, I still will shy away from like a, a normal one to three kilo soft noodly brim rod. Um, I'll more so look towards a two to four kilo, um, something with a little bit more low end power. Um, in saying that, that's for 85% of the fishing. So this time of year, I'll use that gear frequently. The only time I really use anything else is when they are up on those snags, especially in South Gippsland, targeting those bigger fish. Um, I will use a, actually use a Miller, um, one of the Bass Freak Extra Heavies, which is a four to eight kilo, six foot rod yep. um, that can cast an unweighted pink grub. So really, really 
pod rod. It is not an everything rod. It is good for structure fishing, and that's about it. Um, the the broom gear will excel at this time of year because you're, you're more than likely going to be fishing plastics or you're going to more than likely be fishing something like a vibe or, or a deep diving hard body. Um, so, yeah, kind of seven foot. I prefer a little bit shorter in the kayak and normally go for something around that six eight to six ten. Um, but they're, they're all going to work. Just something that's got a little bit of backbone to it, nothing too, too noodly or too soft. Uh, EPs can be really timid on the bite. They will swallow a lure and you will get the tiniest little tick in your line. Um, and they're very good at spitting out a lure as quick as they swallowed it. So having a like a fast action rod with a bit of low end power, like try and send those hooks home, especially if you're fishing something with a singular hook like a soft plastic. Um, really like crank into them and try and get that hook into that fish don't give them uh not like a quite a common thing with brim um but often be you know you might get a little peck or something you know a smaller little hit and you're kind of waiting for something a little bit more substantial if you feel a tiny little tick in your line a perch has swallowed your lure um they will rarely short strike lures they're not their mouth isn't designed like that they can't really choose to half eat something um they're a uh, an implosion feeder so much like a barramundi when they open their mouth everything in front of their mouth gets sucked in and it's going all the way in um they're very quick to spit things out but if you get that tiny tiny little tick that's it set those hooks um and yeah that's where that slightly stiffer like two to four kilo rod really comes into play so real size, would you stay around that 2,500 reel still with the, obviously you get a sort of 10 to 15 kilo drag limit on those. So would something like yep. that still suffice in that sort of a rated rod? Yeah, 100%. So um, 2,000 size, I used to love running like old school 2,000 divers. Um, still still absolutely love it. I do find they lack a little bit of drag, um, but they were yeah, beautiful to use. So I used to use 2,000s flat out kind of moved on to 2500s now um especially in the dollar range and the new lt sizing so find 2500 it's still small and compact and beautiful to use um but yeah as you said bigger drags in those reels um look five kilos of drag is is too much drag for purchase you know it's more than you're ever going to need um but just having you know those super smooth like atd ultimate tournament drag and um, automatic tournament drag in the diver reels, just that really, really smooth drag action, um, good retrieve rates on the reels and they're a pleasure to fish with. So 2500 diver, yeah, absolutely. So Jason's asked a question about some of the gear and he's just asked, um, is the gear more on the lighter side, talking leaders and line, um, or do you go more on the coarser side in the leaders because you're fishing around snags, etc.? Um, I kind of been trying to the last few years trying to actually work out if perch um perch are really affected by leader size um which at this stage i don't think they are um i will normally fish a, a bit heavier than i'll fish for brim um so as a lot of you guys will know brim fishing you if you're not getting bites out of them um you normally have to go lighter and things like that i find perch aren't like that if they're not eating they're not eating um I will normally fish for for majority of my open water fishing. So fishing schooled fish, I'll fish around six pound liter, six or eight. Um, fishing snags, I will fish. I will often fish. Kind of start at ten. Um, I have fished up to twenty. So depending on the scenario, um, ten is normally plenty. Twelve is normally heaps. Um, the only time I will fish. 20 pound is if I'm kind of doing really silly death casts and, you know, putting lures in places where if you hook up, you have the tiniest little hope of pulling a fish out. So normally 10 pound for the structure fishing, um, 10 or 12, and then six pound for, for the kind of school fishing. Um, don't fish for whatever you do. Don't <laughs> fish for. 
Um, they have really, really nasty gill breakers. Um, super sharp. They're like a razor blade. So they're notorious for, for rolling on your lure. So especially I find 90% of the time when this happens, it's in the exact same scenario, which is when you go to net an EP, um, they'll come up to the surface and they'll just turn over like that, um, try to get their head back down, which they're not getting their head back down. It's no dramas at all. But you'll have your rod up here. You're trying to get the, the fish in the net that way. As they roll, uh, if they if your rod isn't quite the right way and your four-pound line touches that gill raker, it is gone. It is gone. Yeah. Um, they'll do it with the six pretty frequently as well. Um, so, yeah, I find just be, like, really, really mindful when you're netting them. Um, I've probably lost, like, you know, a couple of, couple of the biggest EPs I've ever hooked to the same, that exact scenario, just, like, in a rush to get that fish in the net. And just, you know, kind of zigging with the rod when you should have zagged. So it can happen. Um, yeah. So, yeah. The excitement kicks in and takes over. And before you know it, you've forgotten what your, your golden rules are pretty quick. So, yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, so, what we might move into is the lures and techniques um, that you'd use to use those lures. Maybe just do your top three or four lures um, for that system. Um, yeah. And just to give the guys an idea of maybe what they could buy. Um, and what they need to get to be able to target EPs. Yep. So, like, my number one lure this time of year, uh, especially for fishing those lower lower areas um, for fish that are schooling, would just be a paddle tail soft plastic. So, personally, I would normally look at something in that kind of three-inch size, um, especially in Gippsland. So, a lot of the bait they feed on is... Uh, smaller mullet and galaxia, so nothing too tiny. Uh, places closer to Melbourne, you're trying to imitate smaller bait. So I will normally, 95% of the time, use a 2.75-inch Munro's. Um, I find just a wicked action on on that tail. Um, some really, really good colours as well. Start with your, um, you know, fish what you know, but start with those those kind of um, any water condition colours like motor oil. Um, he does a colour called Swarf, which is really, really good um, in some of those kind of clearer water scenarios. Also Sub-Zero, uh, which is absolutely deadly when the water's clear, clear, which you won't find upriver, but you may find down towards the mouth. Um, you know, there's EPs aren't all that fussy uh, when it comes to uh lure color but yeah 2.75 or three inch paddle tail soft plastic absolutely deadly um i'll often use keytex as well find being a pre-centered soft plastic uh really nice action on them they can be can often be the difference between getting a bite and not getting the bite um they are a super super soft plastic so when you catch fish on them or maybe two fish they're normally buggered need to put another one on um but there's two colors in the key text which are well worth having uh one is crystal shad which is a very natural kind of mullet color just with some gold fleck through it um the other one i would definitely look at is uh oh, what's the name of it pro blue red pearl which is like a um like a purpley pearl back with a whitey pearl underside um really really good for for this time of year especially when you get lots of little mullet down towards the entrance of these these rivers so normally fishing those on one twelfth jigged or a one eighth jigged um only fishing lighter if i'm fishing super super shallow um i find unlike bream perch aren't too phased about how fast the lure is falling they get their eye on it and kind of lock into it and they're going to eat it so That'll be number one for this time of year. Um, number two would be a uh, Imikatsu uh, Rip Riser or a Lucky Craft Bevy Shad, one or the other. Probably lean towards the Bevy Shad at the moment just because it dives down a little bit deeper. They're actually a, that's a Rip Riser there, but they're just a little um, yep. little 60 mil uh, mid-depth suspending hard body. So... The bevy shad is very, very similar to that, but it gets down a little bit deeper. 
Um, and rather than being a suspending hard body, it's a super slow float, um, which I find once you've got some 10 pound leader hanging off the front of it, they do suspend. So twitching those guys in around the snags or fishing them off a rock wall, um, even on some of those weed edges down the entrance, just a uh, like a twitch pause retrieve, absolutely deadly on perch. Um, that red rip riser that I held up before, that's actually the lure that caught my biggest perch out of the tarlin. Um, so once again, colour-wise, don't be all that phased about it. Stick to your natural colours, roll in some darker colours here and there, um, and you're pretty much going to be set. Um, the bevy shad's probably going to fish a bit better, as I said. It's going to get down that little bit deeper. Uh, it's going to fish... You'll get fish kind of sitting off the, the bottom of the rock walls um, and that bevy shad's going to get right down there um, and right in front of those fish. That'll be lure number two. Uh, lure number three, um, I'm going to give you two different options here. So uh, either an Eco Gear uh, ZX40, um, just a little vibe, um, or something like a Mus, um, as a lot of you guys would have seen, little muscle vibes. Um, I probably prefer the ZX with the assist hooks on the back on the perch. I find the hookup rate's really good. When they're being super fussy and they're just being a nightmare to catch, but you can find them on the sounder, dropping a vibe on top of the head at this time of year can be absolutely deadly. So definitely worth a look. Yeah, okay. Um, and with the vibes, you're just doing a, a drop jig like a, you would with a soft plastic or? Yeah, actually normally like, Normally trying to get directly on top of the fish with the kayak um, and just like literally teabagging it on their head until they yeah. eat. So um, are, you, are you finding that they'll take those on sort of the drop when they come down or? Um, I find they'll normally, I find they normally eat them off the bottom. Yeah, okay. Um, like you'll just go to lift and they'll, they'll be on. They'll take it. Um, or they, I kind of don't fish, fish them with a big, a big lift and a big drop. Um, I'll often drop them to the bottom. Um, so I'm fishing in six metres of water. I'll drop them down right to the bottom. I'll let them sit on the bottom for kind of 10 seconds or so. I'll wind them up probably about 20 centimetres off the bottom. And then I'll just sit there and just jig them up and down and just have them sitting there in front of that purchase face. If I'm marking fish, you know, half a metre off the bottom, I'll bring it up so it's half a metre off the bottom. Um, but yeah, just sitting in that lure there and just you know, tiny, tiny little lifts and drops um, right in front of that fish's nose. Um, if you find, if you get a hit, like if, if a fish hits it, which can often be quite timid um, on the vibe, especially there's no slack in your line. So even if sometimes I'll turn on it and you'll kind of feel that, you won't actually feel them hit it, but you'll feel a bit of vibration through your line. Um, I'll freeze pull that lure down to the bottom and that's when you'll often hook them up off the bottom. So you'll go to lift that lure off the bottom again, and they've followed it down, they've eaten it, and you'll just kind of lift into weight, and away you go. Yeah, okay. So, and when you were saying with like the um, paddle tails and that, you do sort of that twitch, twitch pause, so similar to like a fleeing prawn with a grub, sort of a retrieve, I guess. Yeah, um, a couple of different ways with the perch. Um, I find, yeah, fishing them off the bottom, as would for brim, cast them out, sink them down, let them sit there for, you know, kind of three or four seconds and then just give them a nice nice hop off the bottom um, and then, yeah, let them sink back down as you're, you're picking up the slack. Do find with perch as well, especially with the paddle tails, which is one of the other reasons I'll often fish them on an eight, is perch love a slow roll. Like, just a straight slow roll with a paddle tail, absolutely deadly. So, casting that lure out, um, letting it sink down either to the bottom or uh, if you've marked fish quite high in the water column, I find that's where the slow roll can really do quite well. Um, try and start it off, like start your slow roll wherever you've found those fish um, and then just a rod tip down, straight constant wind of the handle, doing about a turn a second. Um, if you find you're getting hits and you're missing them, just slow it down again. Um, so even slower again, as long as that tail is doing a little bit of action, um, regardless of what kind of pace it is, as long as it's moving, they will hit it. And I normally find the slower, the better. Yeah. 
Um, so obviously you guys stock all that stuff up in hooked up bait and tackle. Yep. Um, yep. If the guys wanted to, obviously some of us obviously live away. And Vic, do you guys offer postage and stuff if the guys want to ring the shop up and... Yeah, yeah, definitely yep. can do. So uh, best thing to do would just be to contact the shop, um, which you can give us a call. I can, I can either give you the number now, or um, I can I'll, send it to you. you what I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll chuck that in the comments for the guys, so they've got the shop number to give you a buzz if they're looking for anything specific. Yep, easy done, easy. Yep, we can arrange that. We can post it, uh, post it out anywhere. Um, and yeah, you know, if you have more more questions on it, more than welcome to have a chat yeah, yeah a few of the newer boys said they'd come in to see you about some gear and they'd um, been talking to you in the shop and they came down for the hopkins round so yeah, yeah. You've been, had a few through and yeah definitely so one of the questions has just been asked uh do you find that do you find spinners on jig heads help attract them at all i the only thing i've found that I've really found with perch is you can, especially this time of year, you can be a little bit too obnoxious. Um, they have exceptional eyesight. Um, yeah, they, they have a huge eye on them, which is one of their, their biggest features, is the size of their eye, their vision at night, uh, and their ability to find bait in dirty water is unbelievable. Um, when they are timid, I find you can be you can be a little bit too much. That's when you yeah really have to start trying to fish those natural colours, dropping the size of your lures, things like that. They will definitely hit a big lure. Um, very recently, there's been quite a few guys targeting them on big glide baits, things like that. It's super effective, but they're still um, still a very natural presentation. I have used little chatter baits, little spinner baits. Uh, little um, jig blades and things like that on them when the water's super, super dirty, just trying to put a, a bit more vibration in the water and a little bit of flash, something they can pick up. Um, I have caught fish on them. They do work very well, but it's not something I would be fishing on schooling fish. So when they're in that clear of water and they are going to be a little bit timid, um, natural is going to be key. Yeah. Um, when they're up on the snags and the dirty water and especially the big ones, they will have no dramas in hitting a big chatterbait or a spinnerbait or using a little uh, a little blade off your, your plastic. Um, but it's normally, it's not something I'll do all that frequently. Um, and I find like 90% of the time when I've actually found it to be working, it's been fishing for bass and ended up catching perch um, on, on those lures up yep. on the, you know, the higher, higher areas in some of these rivers. So um, if you did want to do it, I would be more inclined to use a, uh, like the TT Revlocks. So they've got the small Willow or Colorado blade underneath the jig head. I would probably avoid putting a, um, like a, a big uh, jig spin on, on the front of the lure. Um, just keep it compact and small. Um, yep. and nice and easy for them to, to swallow. Yep. Okay. Um, what we might do, we might, what would be your recommendation as someone who's probably never, ever caught an EP, never targeted an EP? Um, what would be your recommendation for them if they came into the shop and just said, look, this is my first time? Um, yeah. Maybe just, yeah, give a, a quick brief rundown. We've sort of covered a lot of it, but just put it into an overview for someone. Yep. So, Start with rod and reel outfit, so 2,500 size reel. It doesn't need to be anything crazy, anything too flash, something nice and smooth. Um, six foot six to seven foot two to four kilo rod, uh, same kind of thing. Doesn't need to be anything too crazy as long as it's a nice, crisp, fast action. Absolutely laughing. Um, definitely using braid, always using braid on perch. Um, usually fishing six or eight pound. Uh, in a quality, you know, relatively good quality braid. Um, personally, using Torrey, happily use Tasline, happily use Sunline, any of those decent quality braids, going to work an absolute treat. Um, starting off with six or eight pound leader, really, really simple. Um, a selection of 
kind of two and a half to three inch paddle tail soft plastics with some 112 1/8 jig heads to suit, uh, some suspending hard bodies, especially mid and deep diving, um, and a couple of vibes, and you're going to be kitted out with that to catch EPs in winter time. So. Perfect. I think you've covered that really well. Put it into a nice overview for the guys that might be um, overwhelmed by everything we're talking about. So that's good. Um, what we might do? Do you want to finish off with a bit of a favourite or a special fishing story to share? It doesn't have to be EP related. It can be anything. I know you've fished for some big offshore fish and all sorts of stuff. So, um, we'll keep we'll keep it EP related. So, um, let's let's keep it real close home. So, Tarwin River. Um, a couple of years ago. Let's talk about biggest biggest perch in the Tarwin, which is still my biggest perch to date. Um, the Tarwin is one of those places where like it can it can absolutely go off its head. So me and a mate did a big day in the kayaks. Um, one other really important thing that I will mention because I've just remembered it is when you're fishing the Tarwin, the tide times are really funky. Um, <laughs> So the closest reading on tide you can get is for Venus Bay. Oh, sorry, is for like the entrance of um, Anderson's Inlet. So Inverloch Bar, um, same as Port Phillip Heads. So when you're fishing the Tarwin, there's some adjustments you need to make to get an accurate tide time. Uh, this kind of comes into the story a bit. But um, just if you're curious, and we can put this down in the comments, but so at the mouth of the Tarwin River, it's plus two hours. So if you've got... 12 p.m. high tide at Port Phillip Bay Heads, it's going to be a 2 p.m. high tide at the mouth of the Tarwin River. Um, Tarwin River Pub. So at the pub at Tarwin River, it's three hours. Um, and then at the highway bridge on the Tarwin River, it's three and a half hours, so plus three and a half hours. And then I normally find every, every like, kilometre or so that you do travel up river from there, you're normally gaining about an extra um, half an hour of tide. So back to the story. Um, we had lined this day up perfectly with the tides. Um, we had worked it out that estuary perch, especially when they're up on snags, they love a running up tide. We'd worked it out that if we fish it right, we could essentially have a whole day of running up tide. Um, kind of starting at the start of the run out in the lower reaches and making our way up river as the tide was coming out and getting that extra half an hour for every K. Um, absolutely brained them. Um, we got, you know, stacks of fish heading up towards those higher reaches, heaps of fish on snags, plenty of fish in that kind of 40 centimetre, 42, 44 centimetre mark. Um, we then fished an area which some people will know as the pines, um, which is up towards Fish Creek. It's quite a ways up the Tarwin. It is a bank of just glorious looking snags. Um, now, up until here, we'd probably caught about 25 fish um, and they were all on snags prior to that. So we got to this stretch and we thought this has to be absolutely booming. Um, it is the best bank of snags in that river by a mile. They look amazing. There's overhanging structure. There's you get kind of that reed reeds all kind of matted up against the snags. Absolutely amazing looking bit of water. We peppered the pines for like two and a half hours on the route. Helped run out tide after catching 25 fish. Did not get a single touch. We gave up on the pines. I went up probably another 10 meters, and there was one stick. Like I'm talking a stick maybe the size of your thumb sticking out of the water, brittle cast at that with Amikatsu Rip Riser, fish on straight away, and that was 51.5 centimetre perch. Um, the one thing I took out of this story, which I still apply to all of my perch fishing, um, they love sticks. They love random singular sticks. You can fish awesome looking snags, then you can cast at a stick and like... I reckon at least 50% of the time you're going to catch them off the one stick. Um, I don't know why, but they, they, they absolutely love it. Um, and, yeah, just pulling that fish out after having such a good session, expecting the absolute best off this whole stretch, and then, yeah, catching that, um, that big perch. Uh, Beautiful-looking fish. Still my biggest to this day. It was just, yeah, as good as, a, as good as it gets, and 
I'll kind of forever forever remember that session. We got plenty more after that as well. Like I said, when I when I got that one that was around the fifty mark, it's yeah, it's like pouring in a big giant balloon out of the water. Like it had to yeah. you understand, especially on light gear. Like I was on my lightest brim rod that I've got. It's like a one to two kilo. I think I had six pound on like because I was throwing around sticks and stuff. I thought just in case one gets in there, and yeah, it, it was a weird feeling. It almost sort of at some, one point it felt like I was pulling up a stingray. So you know, it just sort yeah, of man. came side on and it wasn't turning. It just wanted to hold off. So yeah, anything over fifty, I yeah. It had a change of the way you look at fishing, I suppose. Big time. They can do so many different things. Uh, like some people say EPs don't fight. Um, you know, some perch go ad, like absolutely nuts. They think they're going to be huge. They come up and they're tiny. Um, I've been smoked on, on you know, 16, 20 pound up in Gippsland um, quite frequently. Yeah. Um, so they, they can give you a little bit of anything, but... 50 centimeter perch are big perch like just to look at they are uh, just to look at and hold they are a huge fish um and yeah if one of your boys can get a 50 on your comp that'll be absolutely amazing <laughs> i think um, it'll be game over for anyone in the comp if they get yeah, a 50 uh, so definitely, definitely. um so maddie hawes asks are you going to come down for a paddle for the comp <laughs> um maybe um i'm just back from western australia so yeah, right. we'll see that's right. You can let me know if you need help, and I'll sort you out. Anyways, we'll work something out to get you in there if you need to come down. So, um, no, I'd definitely love to, but yeah, we'll see see what happens. I'd be a good excuse to get back down there. <laughs> All right. So, what we might do, guys, we'll start to finish up now and wind up. If any of you guys in the comments want to chuck a question there for Casey while we're going, and um, I'll do the best I can to get Casey to answer them. Um, and guys, remember to like Casey's donated his time today, so. If you guys want to get any of the gear that Casey's talked about, ring the shop, buy some gear off him. You know, he's been generous of his time, so give back to Casey for what he's done for us tonight. Easy. If you um, do give us a buzz, if you just want to talk more about EP fishing, even if it's not the Tarwin, um, wherever it be, just yeah, give us a hoy and we'll, um, yeah, we'll do our best to get you sorted out. So. All right, so Sean's just asked, are they as finicky as brim where on a quiet day changing to a scented lure turns them on or will they take anything? Scent, very important on perch. Um, not for any reason other than, uh, as, as we were talking about before, they can, they can swallow a lure and spit it out like that. Um, when they've swallowed it, they've swallowed it when they spit it out though like it can be as you know it's just that kind of in and out of their mouth and that's it um scent i find will often make them like hold on to it for a bit longer so rather than spit it out super quick if they've failed to hook um or if it feels a little bit unnatural i find having a bit of scent on there can can just get them to hold on to that lure for an extra you know one or two seconds um which will often give you enough time to put hooks into that fish I do not find scent to um, to get a bite out of fish that aren't going to bite. Um, they're either yeah, often found with perch. They're either feeding or they're not feeding. Um, they're very prone to a bit of lockjaw, as many fish are. Um, but definitely, still definitely try to present some different things to them. If throwing a scent of lure at them um, can, you know, is is something different and definitely give it a go confidence in what you're throwing is massive as well if you like fishing scent on your soft plastics fish scent on your soft plastics um if you have a chartreuse and blue four inch paddle tail that catches 90 percent of your fish throw it at them if you have confidence in a lure um throw it at them they can be you can often throw something a bit funky and that's the difference for the day that's what you've you know you're catching your fish on um but definitely apply scent to your soft plastics at the least um or fish a lure like a key tech which has that squid scent already in the lure yeah yep. perfect all right well we might leave it there thank you very much casey for your time tonight i do appreciate it um i've got a few other guys have messaged me already saying yeah it was great they're looking forward to it um and thanking you for your time uh, for you guys that are listening, this will be uploaded to the podcast, so on Spotify, Apple, Google, all that sort of stuff, the usual. Um, 
guys too just if you are looking we are going to be staying a few of us at the venus bay caravan park so if you're looking for somewhere to stay give them a call um book a site there's some powered sites got pretty cheap cabins as well so yeah hopefully you guys get some entries in and we'll see you down there so easy guys have a good night see you guys thank you